Hey fishies, welcome to another edition of Anti-Wombat's Bible Class. Remember, if you like this show, you should share it with your friends, and also you should uh, send me your questions. Voicemail is best at 415-504-2289, or you can also Instagram me at Wombatalim, or Twitter at the underscore Wombat, or send me a message from the Anti-Wombat's Bible Class Facebook page. I'd like to open today with a question, I guess, I got from Instagram. It's kind of long, so I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing to you. I'm very confused on what my gender is. I thought I was gender fluid, but so many people told me it wasn't a real gender identity and bullied me over it. So I figured I identified more with male, but I'm not sure. My mom thinks it's just from my past and men that have done wrong things towards me and created the trauma I deal with. I've been through therapy before and I'm thinking maybe I'm a girl, but sometimes I feel like I can't go into public that way. I'm a mess and basically what I'm saying. Basically what I'm saying is how do I figure out what gender I am without my trauma interfering? Also, I get a horrible feeling looking in the mirror some days and seeing my feminine face, but other days I'm totally okay with how I look, like a feeling that's wrong and should be different. I know it looks good, but feels shaped the wrong way, like it needs to be more masculine sometimes. First of all, gender fluid is totally a thing, and it really sounds to me like that's what you are. Whether this has to do with trauma, maybe, maybe not, but in the end it really doesn't matter because while trauma may shape who you become, Getting rid of the trauma won't change that identity. You are what you are. And yeah, it might change over time, but not because of this. So by all means, deal with the trauma. But even if it did have an influence on your gender, ultimately, it's going to be your gender, whether it was caused by the trauma or not. Now, your face shape, unfortunately, that's something that's going to be a little tricky. I mean... You could get plastic surgery at some point, but that's expensive. It doesn't get covered by the usual gender transition medical coverage. And you really run the risk of completely screwing things up. Um, you might be able to get somewhere with stage makeup, especially if it's a some days you're okay with how your face is shaped and others you're not. You can maybe do some work with stage makeup to change the angles on it, but... That, again, is going to be a little tricky because if you're not on a stage, it can be, I don't know, a little disconcerting for others to see it out in the world. So, unfortunately, the bad news is if you don't like how your face is shaped, your options are limited and risky. And um, in the end, you'll probably just have to deal with that. However, you can totally work with your body shape using clothing and attire and even some amount hormone treatment. Um, you can use hormonal treatment to affect whether or not you have facial hair, for example. Um, and that could also, you know, mask the lines of your face a little. If you take testosterone treatment and start growing facial hair, you could potentially grow out a beard, for example. So that's pretty much where those options lie. And that was the only question I had this week. So... For the remaining time, I think I'm going to talk a bit about abuse, because that is something that a lot of people have to deal with, especially queer kids. Um, and in terms of partner abuse, uh, statistics on partner abuse are interesting. Bisexual women have it the worst. Gay men have it the easiest. So it's kind of interesting how that works out, but it's still a good chunk of the population 
anywhere from 25% to over 50% are in a abusive relationship at some point in their lives. Um, for resources, uh, Teen Vogue, oddly enough, has a lot of great content around abuse, both partner abuse and uh, child abuse from parents. Uh, so especially when it comes to uh, romantic abuse, domestic abuse with your a romantic partner, uh, one of the big problems we have in our current culture is that our pop culture, specifically romantic comedies, actually idolize abusive behavior in a lot of ways, stalking behavior, that kind of thing. So a lot of us have some really bad examples from the culture we consume about what is a healthy relationship. Now, in a healthy relationship of any kind, any kind of personal, interpersonal relationship, not just romantic or with your parents or whatever, I'm talking about friends or whatever, uh, two key things in a healthy relationship are respect and communication. You need to respect one another, you know, treat your boundaries with respect, treat opinions, whatever, identity uh, with respect, and be able to clearly communicate your needs and issues that you're having, as well as, you know, plans, that kind of thing. So respect and communication are two key ingredients of any kind of healthy interpersonal relationship. This doesn't mean that you can't get upset with someone. It doesn't mean you can't have disagreements with someone, but as long as they're you're able to communicate what has upset you, what you're disagreeing about, or even know that you need to take some time out to figure out what's upsetting you or what you're disagreeing about. As long as when you're having these discussions, both sides are coming from a position of respect and you're actually able to talk about it, that's healthy. Even if, you know, people do sometimes accidentally step on each other's toes and as long as you can communicate, hey, that hurt, this is why, can you do this other thing in the future, for example, that, that is still a healthy relationship. Now, a lot of people, when they think about abuse, they think about things like physical violence, hitting, slapping, punching. And I also want to make sure you are aware that emotional abuse can be just as harmful as physical abuse, and it's a lot harder to spot. So I'm going to focus my topic today on emotional abuse because you know when you've been punched in the face. You don't necessarily realize when you're being emotionally abused in other ways. So, it, and especially when you're in the thick of it, sometimes it's easier to spot when you're outside of the relationship than when you're within it. But really, the, the emotional scarring can be just as bad, if not worse, than the physical scarring. So, some signs you might be abused. Things you might be experiencing in abusive, an abusive relationship. Isolation is a big thing, where the other person is keeping you either by words or actions from seeing other people, spending time with other people, talking to other people. Um, another sign is in a romantic relationship, this would be something like accelerated intimacy. Someone wants to commit to you way too fast. If they're proposing to you on your second date, it's way too soon. You don't know them that well. 
this is a relationship that can be, become abusive. Um, when you're talking about a parent, a similar um, similar manifestation would be they are relying on you for all of their emotional needs. It can feel smothering. Like uh, you get the feeling that, you know, if you're not there for them, they'll fall apart, that kind of thing. Another sign is if someone demands perfection of you. Nobody is perfect. People cannot expect you to be perfect. Everyone messes up sometimes. And this goes back to respect and communication. If they can say to you, hey, you messed up. This is what you did. That's not abusive. But if they, you know, expect you to be perfect and punish you for not being perfect, that is abusive. Jealousy. If someone you're close to expresses jealousy. I mean, everyone gets jealous sometimes, but it's an unreasonable amount of jealousy. Like if you're talking to literally anyone else or spending time with literally anyone else and they get jealous about it, that is another sign. You have boundaries. Everyone has boundaries. And another sign of abuse is disrespecting those boundaries or dismissing them. You know, you tell someone, I only have time to see you this night this week and then they continue to pressure you into spending more time with them that's one way for example of dismissing or disregarding your boundaries uh, next I want to talk about gaslighting uh, gaslighting is where someone you know makes you believe things didn't happen the way you remember them necessarily you know maybe you're having a conversation you remind them that they said something they'll say I never said that or their memory of events will be drastically different from yours and they try to convince you that they're right and you're wrong. The thing with gaslighting is it, it is actually very hard to spot because usually it's it's more subtle than that. It's, you know, it's a situation where they make you question your own sanity because you're remembering something completely differently. But since it's not necessarily coming up immediately, you always have that doubt because most people's memory is not that great to begin with. And frankly, questioning your memory as a matter of course can actually be a good thing because memory is fallible. It, it can have problems. People can misremember things. Memories can get overwritten. And gaslighting kind of plays on that. And sometimes it's not even intentional, but it can play on that. It'll be really subtle. If you're experiencing gaslighting, it's a lot of questioning your own sanity for how you're remembering things and you question whether the other person really is right, even though that's not how you remember it. Another sign is blame. Someone who places the blame for what happens on everyone and everything except themselves. Someone who won't take responsibility for their own actions. Anything that goes wrong is your fault. That is a big one. And it goes hand in hand with gaslighting. Uh, in fact, all of these really end up working together in tandem and they might not all be there, but often there will be many of these factors going into the mix. But yeah, if you're constantly getting blamed for something, whether it's your fault or not, that's a sign. And then uh, the last one I wanted to mention on this was disproportionate anger. So, I mean, yes, everyone gets angry sometimes. But 
if it feels like they're getting angry because you sneeze funny, then that would be disproportionate. Or, you know, you left a light on and they hit you for it. That's definitely disproportionate, just as an extreme example. But again, this isn't just physical, you know. They can get angry with you without getting physical. In terms of signs on how you feel in an abusive relationship, even if you're not noticing the subtleties of any of the other things I mentioned, like blame or isolation or anger or you don't notice the gaslighting, if you feel like you are afraid of the person or if you feel you're afraid to engage with them because you don't know what would happen, that is a sign that you're being abused. Even if you can't pick up any of these other signs, if your main approach to the relationship is fear, that is a warning in itself. And then finally, I should also make sure you know, abuse doesn't happen 24-7. There's always some good in with the bad. And especially in a romantic situation, if you didn't have that good stuff, People would just leave. So there, there's always some good in with the bad. And someone abusing you will rely on you clinging on to that good stuff to keep you around. And just know that if you feel bad more often than you feel good, that's a good gut feeling to go with. Don't stay just for clinging on to that shred of hope of the good stuff, especially if we're talking a romantic relationship. Don't hang on to this, you know, tiny shred of good stuff and put up with the bad when the balance tips in, in the wrong direction. And also you should know, if, especially romantic relationship, you can't fix people. It is not your job to fix people. We have professionals whose job it is to fix people, and unless you actually have a degree and a license, that's not you. Even if you have a degree and a license, it's not your job to fix someone you are involved with. You're only licensed to fix people you don't particularly know. So, what do you, how do you tell if a friend is being abused? If you're worried about your friend, you want to try to figure out whether this is abuse or not. Well, again, the first first sign that you can see from the outside is isolation. If that, you know, person doesn't get a chance to see people or says they don't want to see people. Uh, another sign, especially again in a romantic relationship, is an accelerated intensity. If your friend has a new partner and suddenly they're talking about marriage, you might want to pull your friend aside and say, whoa, slow down there. This is going a little fast. Take your time. Uh, another sign, kind of ironically, is the more they post to social media about how awesome the relationship is, the more likely there is there's problems in the relationship. So that's a really good thing you can use as an indicator as a friend. Should also look for drastic changes in their behavior, drastic changes in their appearance, or the activities that they're doing or they talk about. And again, if they're, if there's an event, a type of event that you go to with your friend and suddenly they're not interested in going anymore, that's a sign of isolation. It's a sign they might be in a, an abusive relationship.
another thing is if they're constantly breaking up and getting back together with their partner, something's not right there. Next, I'd like to talk a bit about grooming, which is something that tends to happen before abuse starts, especially in a romantic or sexual abuse context. Grooming is rooted in an uneven power dynamic. And by uneven power dynamic, it's, it's pretty flexible. It could be adult child. It could even be two adults with a really big age difference. It could be a teacher-student relationship, a doctor-patient relationship, a coach-athlete relationship, any kind of relationship where there is uneven power. And frankly, this can even include a man and a woman or a white person and a person of color can even form this power dynamic. Uh, when grooming happens, uh, generally the target is made to feel special, like they're getting some special treatment from this person. Uh, boundaries are pushed where, you know, you get talked into things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. There's inappropriate behavior for the type of relationship, given the power balance, like say it's a teacher-student relationship, there's a lot of touching involved generally probably a no-no unless it's literally like a gymnastics teacher and they're positioning your body. But there's appropriate touching then and there's inappropriate touching. And as time goes on, uh, someone grooming someone will generally ask them to start keeping little secrets. Let's keep this to ourselves. You know, don't tell your parents. And as time goes on, uh, they'll start trying to isolate you from your parents, your friends, whatever. Isolation is really huge running theme in most types of abuse. And, you know, the reason for that is if you are isolated, if your abuser is the, your only support structure, then it's harder for you to get help. So what do you do if you're being abused? First thing you should do is try to build your support structure. Um, bring in your friends, especially if this is a situation where you had friends and lost contact with them. Reach back out. Reach out to trusted adults if you can, even if you're not ready to talk about it yet, because it is really hard to admit to yourself, much less to other people, that you're being abused. It feels awful. But even if you're not ready to talk about it yet, at least try to start building those connections back up so you feel less alone. Feelings of shame and guilt when you're going through abuse are really common. That's normal, and it sucks, but you're not alone. Once you do feel ready to start talking about it with people, don't let anyone tell you it didn't really happen. If someone tries to tell you, oh, that can't have happened, or anything like that, thank them for your time, walk away, find someone else. Start looking for local resources and hotlines. Um, this is where an internet search will become hand come in handy. Uh, since obviously you're not where I am, I can't necessarily give you the best options for this, but a web search should turn some up. If what you're dealing with is abuse from a parent, um, you might want to look into contacting child welfare services, though keep in mind if you're being abused by a parent and child welfare takes you out of the home, the next step is going to be foster care, which isn't great for queer teens or trans teens. So you do want to 
be wary of that. That is always a complicating factor, especially when it comes to combating abuse from a parent. There's also going to be hotlines in your state that you can contact. And if you can, try to get counseling. But again, keep in mind that counselors are mandatory reporters. So that goes back to child welfare services potentially getting involved. If you do have supportive family in the area and child welfare services gets involved, the good news is your supportive family will be a priority for placing you. Bad news is if you have nearby family who is just as bad, you do need to make sure child welfare services knows that so they don't try to place you in another crappy situation. If you're dealing with an abusive romantic relationship, uh, you should make a safety plan. Uh, involve your support network. Um, help, they can help you come up with a safe, and hope possibly even public location where you can break up with your partner, uh, support system, your friends, the people you've reached out to need to be on standby. Plan this. Set a date and time. Set a location where you will be safe, where there's other people around, maybe even public, that'll minimize any potential damage that can come. And then if you live with a partner, you need to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Chances are they will try to keep you with them. You just have to hold your ground. It's hard. It really is hard. This is a thing I have been through. I'm not telling you it's easy. It's not. But you need to stand your ground. A lot of people will try to convince you that they can change and keep you that way if they do that. Tell them that you're not going to be with them until you have proof that they have changed. Stay away from them until you are certain they've changed. And even then, it's tricky because a lot of people will show that they've changed externally. And then as soon as you're back, they'll go right back to your old ways, their old ways. So be wary of that speech. That is a big trap. So what do you do if your friend is being abused? Well, the first thing you do is you listen and you be supportive. Don't be judgmental. You might want to point out some specific behaviors that are concerning. Ask your friend about how those things make them feel. But don't attack their partner. Don't attack their parent. Don't attack who you think is abusing them because they will get defensive, they will shut down the conversation, and they might even shut down your friendship. It's hard. This part isn't easy either. I've been on this end of it too. You should be open and vulnerable with your friend. If you're the kind of person who usually hides your own pain and insecurity and puts on a really happy mask, they're not really going to feel comfortable talking to you about their problems. You need to take no for an answer. If a friend denies there's a problem or says they're not ready to talk about it, they're not ready to deal with it, you need to leave it alone, let them know you're there for them, but it's up to them to bring it back up. Absolutely do not pressure your friend to leave the relationship. They have to come to that decision on their own. And if you push too hard, they might cut you out of their life. And then you can't be there for them. You can't help. But do have some resources prepared for them. Again, those local hotlines or crisis centers or whatever. Have those ready for them when they are ready to talk about it with you. But absolutely move at their pace. They are running the show. 
you can express concern. Again, concern with behaviors, not necessarily don't bash their partner. Don't be too judgmental. Be there for them, but they have to work at their pace. And finally, if they are ready to take that leap and exit the relationship, be part of their safety plan. Help them design their safety plan. Now, like last week, I have a bunch of links that I use to help me put this together. I also have one to an organization called One Love, um, which is dedicated to combating partner abuse. So I'm going to put a link to their resources as well. They have resources both for people in abusive relationships and friends of people in abusive relationships. So definitely check that out. And that is my show for this week. Be great to hear from you. Share this podcast with your friends. Give me a call on voicemail. Again, the number is 415-504-2289 or hit me up on Instagram at Wombatalim, Twitter at the underscore Wombat or send me a message on the Anti-Wombat Bible Club Facebook page. Have a good one. Stay safe.